uh, this past Monday, um, Ann and Brian and Corey and the kids and I went down to uh, Iron Mountain, and uh, we decided to uh, call Ed McBroom, uh, who uh, Ed attended here uh, at Bethel when he was at Northern as a student, and uh, we, uh, he and I really connected. We're, we're good friends and uh, uh, have a lot of uh, contact with one another. He's been a real blessing. And so contacted Ed and asked if we could go over and, uh, and get a tour of the farm. He had given us a tour once before, uh, Ann and I, and uh, we decided you know, we would like to do that. So we went over there and uh, got a tour of their farm, and uh, these are just some pictures from from that. Um, I'll just run a few of them through here. But uh, as we were visiting, and I'm always in awe of the uh, the work that's done on a farm. I I'm one of those that grew up in town. I have no idea what it takes to run a farm. But as I interacted with the McBrooms 13 years ago, and then again uh, this last Monday. You just get a real uh, inspiration about the work that is involved in running a farm and uh, just the uh, amazing things that they do. And uh, so as we were there visiting, um, and Ed was uh, giving us a tour, um, and uh, we, we got to talking about a lot of things. And, and most of you know Ed McBroom is a state senator. Um, he is uh, married to, uh, well, actually, he and his brother Carl are, were married to uh, two of Andy Larson's sisters and uh, wonderful young ladies who love the Lord. And uh, we had a great opportunity uh, to visit with Ed. They were all at the fair, so we didn't get a chance to talk with them. But while we were walking around, one of the things that uh, happened, I was... Uh, walking kind of behind and and everybody went into this one barn and ed's father was in the barn and by the doorway and i stopped and started talking to ken and he's a a great guy uh he and i served on a uh, our district board for several years together and uh, uh just i have a great deal of appreciation and uh, respect for for him and we just had a a wonderful visit and as we were visiting, uh, he looked to me like he was really tired. And uh, he shared with me one of the first things he said is he said, I'm, I'm just exhausted. He said, it's really, really hard uh, to be here uh, working on the farm still. He's 73 years old. Uh, and uh, the reason that he's still so actively involved at the farm is a year ago this past July, uh, their son, Carl, was killed in a car accident. And as a result of that, the rest of the family has had to really step in and really do a great deal of work. And the two sisters, uh, are uh, they, they all talked about how much work they're doing and all of the things that they've picked up to help. But if you can imagine, Carl was kind of the the guy who who did some of the mechanical work, some of the welding, some of the other things on the farm that really were necessary. And uh, their dad was just really, really exhausted. And and we talked uh, for a while, and you can see they have a, a few, uh, few cows, and uh, that's just one side. They have the same number on the other side. 
there's a lot of work that's involved. Well, then uh, I got off to the side later on, and I was visiting with Ed's mother and uh, Christine, and, and she and I were just chatting, and one of the first things out of her mouth, and, and uh, Ken had mentioned it about uh, Carl having been killed in this accident, but one of the first things that she said was, you know, just how devastating it is and how difficult it is for them uh, to be there at the farm and their son is deceased and everybody's had to pick up the load. And, and, and you could just tell talking to both of these parents just how difficult and what a struggle it has been for them uh, as they have tried to deal with this horrible disaster uh, that happened in their family. Well, uh, I could tell... Uh, that there was a great deal of pain and, and grief that they were all experiencing. And I, I know when I read things on Facebook from uh, Carl's wife, she also is struggling with a lot of grief and pain and difficulty. It's not an easy thing at all. Uh, one of the blessings is that the McBrooms are a very strong, healthy, wonderful Christian family. And I know they work together and they encourage one another, and they bless one another, but it's still very, very difficult for them. Well, thinking about all of that, thinking about the pain and the agony and all of the struggles that they have to deal with as a family, it made me think about Scripture and what Jesus taught. And so I'm going to start today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11. Verse, I'm going to start with verse 12, but primarily 25 to 30. And if you're using one of the chair Bibles, it's found on page 970, 970 in the chair Bible. Let me just uh, lead us to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll read the Scripture. Lord God, I am so grateful that you are a God who cares, that you are a God who loves us and watches over us. You're a God who we can rely on and trust, even in our deepest darkness and in the deepest despair that we might be experiencing. So Lord, thank you for your presence and leading and guiding even in those difficult times. Be glorified. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, we're going to begin just with uh, verse 12, and then we're going to skip down to verse 25, Matthew 11. From the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And then beginning in 25, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is heavy, I'm sorry, is easy, but my burden is light. So I started with verse 12 because I think it's significant for us to remember that Satan is still attacking. He still thinks he's going to win. And uh, so he is still creating all of the chaos and problems and difficulties in the world. And there are so many people who are buying into the things that uh, he would, 
would have us uh, to deal with. And as I read verse 12, and I was kind of struggling through, and I was trying to figure that out a little bit, I, I decided to go and look at my commentary, and uh, Holman's commentary, and I, and I came across this, and I felt a little bit better after I read it. Uh, we may not be able to know what, uh, with perfect precision what Jesus meant by this statement, but we can grasp his major point. The context indicates that Christ's advancing kingdom would be forcibly opposed by violent, hostile people. As Christ's kingdom advances, the opposition to it would increase. In fact, from the time John started announcing it until this very day, the false leaders of Israel had done nothing but object. Uh, We see that on a daily basis, don't we? We, we are witnessing and seeing around us the opposition to anything that has to do with God's Word. Drew Brees, some of you saw probably recently, there's a thing where he encouraged young people to bring their Bibles to school. It's a one-day event. It's something that they try to encourage uh, children to do. Bring your Bible to school. And uh, he has gotten tremendous backlash on that. He has gotten tremendous pushback. People very angry with him for suggesting this. And, and, and coming at him from all different angles of, of uh, hate and opposition. For standing up and just saying, Hey, this week is bring your Bible to school. Bring your Bible to school, children, young people. And, 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 and there's this great opposition. It's, it's almost like anything that we say that we want to do as Christians, the world is going to oppose it. And people are carrying these heavy, heavy burdens and difficulties around with them all the time. So as we think about these things, we recognize that Jesus is pointing out that Satan is out to destroy the church. And he wants to destroy church leaders. You look, all we have to do is look around us and we see place after place where church leaders have fallen to sin, have, have done things that have caused them to lose their ministry. And it's going on all around us. And the opposition is so great that in a lot of ways the world and even sometimes Christians feel like they're losing. Like we are on the losing team instead of on the winning team. And we're encouraged by Christ in His Word to keep pressing forward, to keep moving on, because we're on, instead, the winning team. In my mind, I've, I, you know what? One of the things I always say, I've read the rest of the book, guess what? We win. It, it, you know, and that's important for us sometimes, to get to that point where we recognize that, you know what? While we're going through all of this stuff, we're still on the winning team. We, we know the outcome, because... It's been foretold to us in God's Word. And that's why it's so important for us sometimes to, to make sure that we're getting in to the Word. We have to make sure that we understand that we are getting bombarded with these things, but the, real, the, the, the thing that we have to recognize is that Christ will win. And so we have uh, a God who is worthy of praise. And that brings me to... Verse 25. If you look at this, it, I, I love this little section because what it does for us is it really kind of points out to us 
maybe our attitude, what our attitude should be when we go to the Lord. Do you notice what Jesus does here? He says at that time, he goes and he's, and he's talking in front of the people, but he declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you had hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. He's going, the first thing he does, he gives us a little bit of a pattern here on how we should approach Jesus. He does it with praise. Did you see that in there? He praises God the Father. Do you do that when you're praying? Do you, do you start off with, oh Lord, help me with this and help me with that and I need this and I need that? Or do you, do you sometimes just slow down and say, wow, God, you are an awesome and amazing God and, and worthy of my praise. If Jesus the Son, Jesus God the Son can do that, we also should be doing that. It's a pattern for us that we should follow. And then he kind of tells why. Why, is, why would he start with that? Why would he do that? Well, because God is worthy. God is worthy of that praise and adoration. And, and so as we approach God, Sometimes I've been in with people and we start to pray and there's some of these things that are so heavy on our hearts and minds and we just go right to, oh God, please pray for this person, please for this, please, please, please. As opposed to starting off with, God, you are awesome, you are amazing, you are worthy of praise and adoration. So Jesus gives us this pattern that I think is a good pattern for all of us to follow uh, it's one of those areas where I'm constantly working on in my own prayer life, and that's making sure that I give the praise and adoration to a worthy and awesome God. And, and, and we, he has, He's given us so many uh, reasons to praise Him, so many things about Him are worthy of our praise, and it's good for us to go there. Then you notice what He goes and, and He says is, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. Uh, you know, one of the things that sometimes we, we can be in awe of somebody who's a very learned, very uh, brilliant, bright person, you know. Um, I had a, somebody ask me a question a couple of, uh, probably about a month or so ago, but I, I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, they said, well, what, Pastor Hank, what do you do when you're in a meeting with Pastor Brian and Chris? You know, and because, uh, you know, here's these guys, you know, by the way, Chris just passed his final exam for his doctorate. He just has to write his paper and then defend it. So, you know, we, we congratulate him. But, you know, here's these guys, and you know, I always tease Chris, you know, he uses words that are this long when I use one that's about that long, you know. And, uh, but, you, you know what? Even in spite of that, <laughs> sometimes we're blessed because God has revealed things to those of us who are simple. We don't have to be these brilliant people. We can just have this simple faith and God reveals Himself to us. The Son reveals who the Father is and the Father reveals who the Son is and gives us that and He promises us these things and we're able to understand them not because of us being so wise, but because... God has given us and revealed these things to us. And I don't know about you, but I, I find that encouraging. I find it encouraging that, you know, sometimes I, I open up the Bible. And this morning I was in doing my reading, and, and it was in some of the Psalms, and I'm in there and I'm reading these things, and it's like, wow, God, 
you, and this was going through my, my brain, actually, as I'm reading. It's like, man, you are awesome, God. And there's times when that's what we have to do because he's revealing to us how awesome he really is. And sometimes he, he reveals it in different ways. And as we're going through issues and problems, God might be revealing something to you about himself to help you through that. We have to be attentive. We have to be listening. We have to be ready to receive and understand that and, and then use it to help ourselves. Well, when he says here that he reveals truth to the, to the, to the believers, what is some of the truth that he's revealed in his word to us? Well, uh, first of all, he says that, or we can go back and remember that God the Father had proclaimed on two different occasions, one at the baptism and, and, and one, uh, I just drew a blank, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Transfiguration, thank you. <laughs> that word just left me for some reason. Um, he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What is he proclaiming there? A number of things, right? First he's saying, this is my son, Jesus, God, the son, and I'm well pleased with him. If God, the creator, is well pleased with his son, how should we view the son? We should be in awe of the son, right? We should be in awe of God, the father, the creator of the heavens and the earth. As we look around and we, and we see the creation do you look at the creation and say, wow, God created this. He's an awesome God. This morning, Ann and I, uh, she, she noticed that the sun uh, was just had a beautiful color to it. And, and we look outside and you, just, you, you can't help but look at that and say, wow, what an awesome God. The beauty of his creation is overwhelming. And, and so we were, we were looking at that. So and then in John 3, 16, you all know that, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God gave His Son. Again, an affirmation of who Jesus is. Coming from God the Father, God has revealed that this is His Son in whom He is well pleased. Uh, he has revealed these things to who? He has, re- he has revealed these things who, to those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's written in the Word, but there are people who would look in the Word and say, well, that's just words. There's people who would look at the sun and say, oh, that's just the sun shining, and that's just, you know, there's these things. But, but when, when you've trusted Christ and He's in your heart and the Holy Spirit is leading you, and you see these things, and you read these things, and you experience these things, all of a sudden you have a, no, a new understanding. It's revealed to us for a purpose. And that purpose is what? To draw us closer to God the Father. To draw us closer to God the Son. It's an awesome experience that we can have because of a relationship with this amazing God. Then he says, no one knows the Father except I'm sorry, no one knows the Father and no one knows the Son except the Father and Son. In other words, the Son, Jesus, reveals the Father. The Father has revealed the Son. As they are revealed to us as believers, it helps us to draw closer and to recognize who they are. So no one will think too highly of himself. If we're able to go out there and 
figure all of these things out on our own, we can get really full of ourselves, can't we? It, you know, have you ever been around somebody who, who uh, has, in their mind, figured all things out, right? And you're with them, and all of a sudden it's kind of like, wow, buddy, <laughs> you know, you, you're, really, you're really kind of full of yourself. We have to guard against those kind of people because those people will try to lead us down a path that's wrong. God has revealed himself through Jesus, and Jesus has re- revealed himself and through his word, and we are drawn to them by the Holy Spirit whom the Father has sent to us. We have to be in tune and listening, but it's only revealed to those who are believers. Do you ever think about that? Why, don't people, why doesn't everybody understand these things? Why do I understand <laughs> the word and I'm sitting next to somebody who I know is very, very smart, and that person can't, doesn't get any of it. I don't know if any of you have ever been in that experience, but I have. And it's kind of like, why don't they get it? This is the answer. Because the Son has revealed the Father. The Father, Father has revealed the Son. He has, has made that clear to us. And it's important for us to grasp that and understand what it is that God has done for us. Now, it isn't always so important what we know, but who we know. Sometimes, you know, we get so caught up into the what that we lose sight of the who. Uh, Now, when I say this, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be in the Word, we shouldn't be studying, we shouldn't be learning. In fact, just the opposite. I think the closer you are to Jesus, the more you want to read about Him. The more you, you, you see God, the more you want to read about Him. You want to read His Word. You want to be be filled with the word so that you can stand up against the evil one but the most important thing that can happen to us the most important thing that we can experience that's why we do the ee program that's why we have our sunday schools and our abfs that's why we have uh, all of the different teachings small groups uh whatever other opportunity bible studies that's why we do those so that we can learn more about this god the father god the son but ultimately It's not what we know, but who we know. We need to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That's the mission of EE, is it not? To to help people to know Jesus Christ personally. I I thought the, the video this morning was awesome because I think that depicts what most people really feel i don't feel adequate to go out there and share the word how can i go and witness to these people we don't feel adequate but we have a god who enables us and all ee does is take the word of god and enables people to share the things that they need to hear to draw them to a saving knowledge of jesus christ as we're in our adult Bible fellowships or Bible studies or whatever other study time you're going through, those have a purpose. The purpose is to help us to understand the Word, but ultimately it is to draw us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, number one, and out of that, learn more and more and more about God the Father and God the Son. So we, we have a mission, we have a purpose, and we have to move in the right direction. The reason that it's important for us to not get uh, hung up into um, 
being full of ourselves in terms of our knowledge and our understanding it, uh, Romans twelve three says for by the grace given me I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you even sometimes people can be full of themselves when it comes to their faith well like I got enough faith I can you know no <laughs> the faith you have comes from God in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we're giving, given uh, an attitude that we should all have. And it's an attitude that I, I love this portion of Scripture and often go here as a reminder to myself and, and to help others. But it's talking about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, He's God, okay? He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Again, we're appointed to the fact that uh, it isn't what we know, but who we know because that one that we know understands jesus understands our burdens jesus understands uh, all that uh, we are going through and that's why he's able to say come to me all who labor are heavy laden and i will give you rest because he knows what it's all about he's been there he has experienced the world's hate and rejection he has experienced far beyond any rejection and hate that you and I would, re would receive. While there are people out there, and I, and I will say this, there are people still out there today who would love to be able to take and do to us what they did to Jesus. I, I truly believe that. There are people who hate Christians and Christianity to the point that they would love nothing more than to be able to take us out and torture us and put us to death. I, I truly believe that. But Jesus is telling us, look, I know you're going through some bad stuff. I know, I know life is difficult. I know, I know it's, it's really hard out there. I know because I've been there, and I've done that. I've experienced all of these things. And I don't know about you, but, but sometimes, you know, if you, if, if you don't really understand the Word, if you're not in it, it's easy to kind of sometimes think, well, yeah, I believe God, I believe there's a God, I believe Jesus is in heaven, but he, he's, not, he's not going through what I'm going through right now. He doesn't understand, and that's not true. He does understand, and that's the point of what he's trying to get across here. He does understand because he has experienced the rejection, the pain, and the, and the hatred that was poured out upon him. And so he, he, he is saying to us, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but there are people that I deal with on a regular basis who just have these heavy, heavy things, these heavy loads that they have to carry. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes as you're dealing with these people and as you're interacting with these people, you can feel overwhelmed and distraught. 
you know, as you come alongside of somebody who's experienced or has, is experiencing something really, really difficult, uh, you can, as you're, as you're with them and sharing with them and, and interacting with them, you can feel that overwhelming pain that they're feeling. You heard me say before, but, but one of the worst things that I think I hear sometimes is when somebody goes up to somebody at a, at a funeral home and they've just lost a loved one, you go up and say, oh, I understand how you feel. Oh, you have no clue on how they feel, right? If you've not lost a child, if you've not lost a, a husband or a wife, or if you've not lost a, a, a loved one that's very close to you, you don't understand. And you don't know that person, what they're feeling. The best thing you can go up and say, I, I don't know what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, but I care about you and I'm here for you because I, because I care. Because one of the worst things that you, in my mind that you can say to somebody is, I know what you're going through, I know what you're feeling, when in reality you have no idea what that person is experiencing. So Jesus is saying, I do understand. Come to me when you're overwhelmed, when you're distraught. Come to me and do it my way. You notice what he's not saying here? He's not saying, uh, come to me and, and uh, make me your Savior and then just go out and do your own thing. Right? He's, a, he, he's, not, he's not just saying, you know, come to me, be saved, and then just go off and live whatever way you want. What he's saying is, come unto me and do the things that I am instructing you, that I'm teaching you, that I'm helping you to understand that you can do with your life. It, 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 it's easy for us to sometimes just say to somebody, well, pray this prayer, and then just go out and do whatever you want. But the reality is, is that when they say the prayer, there should be a change of the heart. There should be a desire for a relationship with Jesus Christ. There should be some fruit of that, that salvation. There should be something that demonstrates that they truly are changed. Has that happened in your life? Have you, have you reached a point where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you see a change in your heart, you see a change in your, your attitude and spirit toward other people? Have you made Him Lord, not just Savior? Well, you know, sometimes as we go through these things, we be... Uh, we, we kind of wonder, you know, how can I do this? How, how can I continue to move forward? That's the blessing here, is Jesus didn't leave us uh, to ourselves. He didn't leave us to figure it all out on our own. That's one of the things that I, I love about uh, what God has done for us. In John chapter 14, verse 25 Jesus is preparing his disciples. Jesus is about ready to go and be crucified. He's, he, he knows the end is coming, and it's right there in front of him. And he says this to them, These things I have spoken to you while I am with you. In other words, all of the things that I've been teaching you, all of the stuff that I've prepared you to, to know and understand, all of these things that I've given to you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Think about how amazing that is, right? So God the Father sent God the Son to bring the hope and promise of salvation for all of us who would believe. 
The world hated him. They destroyed him. They killed him. They buried him. Christ was, was dead. He was on the cross. He died. He was buried in the grave. He was there for three days. He rose back to life again. He was seen over a period of 40 days by hundreds of people. And then he ascended into heaven. But, but when he ascended, in, ascended into heaven, he didn't just leave us like, okay, you guys go off and do your own thing. He sent the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to come. And everyone who would trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand the Word, enables us to be able to, to think about God, to see God through circumstances and situations. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give us the hope that we desperately need during very, very difficult times. That Holy Spirit who is dwelling within us and helping us to understand is, is with us all the time. We have a Savior who has made a way and a God who loves us enough to have given us His Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He is our helper when we are helpless or hopeless. Well, I started off talking about the McBrooms and the devastation that they've dealt with as a family. Think about the death of a, a son, a husband, a brother, father, helper, worker, a godly man. It would be easy for the McBrooms at this point in their lives, based on, on the devastation that's come into their family, to walk away from the Lord. It would be easy for them to just say, how could a loving God allow this to happen to our family? Why, am, why are we still having to run this farm, in this, in, in, as difficult as it is, without our son who was there to be able to help us? How difficult it is for Ed, who's a state senator, to have to go down to lower Michigan for three or four days a week and then come back and work at the farm the other days. How about for their wife, his wife and Carl's wife to have to pick up the load to carry besides the parents having to do all of these things. And yet, when I was talking to Mrs. McBroom, I was so encouraged with this. You could see the grief, you could see the pain, you could see the agony that she was experiencing. And then she looked at me and she said, but you know what? I know that my son is in heaven and I know that someday I will be with him and I will see him again. I trust Jesus Christ for my salvation and I know where he is and I know where I am going. What a hope and a promise. That hope and promise doesn't just come from a worldly view. That hope and promise comes from a belief in Jesus Christ who's been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. We, we, ha we have that hope and promise not built on our own abilities, but rather on God and what He does for us. The world doesn't understand. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand why we're going through certain things. That's why Jesus was able to say in John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as the world hates us and opposes us and comes out with all of these terrible things, we have that solid foundation to stand on. I shared about Drew Brees this morning on on the news, I saw a response that he came to all of the hate and opposition that he came out with. And he, he came on there and he said, I believe in the Bible, I believe in God. He said, I go by two principles, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. While he's getting bombarded with the hate and the anger and the frustration, he is directing people to the Savior, the one and only that can change hearts and lives. And people can oppose us, but you know what? Jesus is our answer. This was on uh, Facebook, and I didn't get a chance to put a lot of this in there, but seven promises of God. I will be with you no matter what you're going through. I will protect you no matter what you're dealing with. I will be your strength even in your weakest times. I will answer you when you come to me. I will provide for you all that you need. I will give you peace when there is no peace. And I will always love you. What a hope. What a promise that we have. An amazing God. It is all too much for us to deal with and to handle without the Lord. But with Him, we can do all things. We can endure all things. We can handle all things. And we can move forward with a hope and a promise that doesn't make sense to a, to a lost and hurting world. But it does make sense to those of us who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and revealing these truths to us. Lord God, I thank You for this morning and I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for people who are vulnerable and telling us about the pains and difficulties that they deal with. Most importantly, Lord, I'm so grateful for your word that when we're perplexed and struggling and dealing with things that are overwhelming, you love us, you're there with us, and you're watching over us in our most trying and difficult times. You're an awesome and amazing God, Lord. We love you. Help us to live our lives demonstrating that to others. In Jesus' name, amen.